0: We're continuing this morning in our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It is a letter we find in the New Testament, and we're about midway through chapter 3, beginning in verse 14 today. And as I was working on this passage uh, this week, it is a prayer of Paul's, and it's not exactly the easiest thing to understand, exactly what Paul's praying for. And it reminded me of times when I've been praying and I say words that sound like they're Christian prayer words, and then you stop and go, what, what did I just say? Something like, Lord, enlarge the spirit of my heart that the blessings might bless to overflow and enlarge the spirit of my heart. What? And like, have, have you ever had that experience where you've been praying and words keep coming, and then you stop and be like, you know what? That's nonsense. That sounds like gibberish. I'm not even sure what that means. Well, we come to Paul's letter here in the Ephesians to his prayer, and I am not accusing Paul of praying gibberish. I am accusing him of praying in a way that it's not that easy for us to understand what it is he's praying. See, we can read over verses 14 through 21 and just go, "Huh, yeah, that sounds like a prayer." And then when you stop and look at the phrases, you just start to go, "Um, What does that even mean? And so today, I want us to listen closely to Paul's prayer and to try and figure out, what what do you even mean, Paul, when you're praying in this way? For if he is praying in this way and the Word is inspired, it is not a mistake. It is not a typo. It is not that he has done something wrong. This is a godly prayer that God has endorsed through the Bible. So what can we learn from it today? So if you would, open up your Bibles. We'll be in Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. That's page 1160 of the Pew Bibles. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for your word. There are times when it puzzles us, and we may not know exactly what it means, but we know you are faithful to reveal. And so today, O oh God, I pray that your spirit would be revealing today through your word, helping us to understand what Paul is praying for, how we can pray for the same things, and how this is a prayer he prays even for us. We ask that you would guide us in the truth and use me in spite of my own sinfulness and weakness and to proclaim your word and to proclaim it faithfully and that you would give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we have this prayer and it's something, all right. And what I want us to see today in the prayer is to try and break it down a little bit. Exactly what is Paul praying for? So what is his request? He is requesting God to do something. Then he depicts it for us because he knows he might be asking for a somewhat confusing thing. So he kind of portrays it in a picture for us. How does he depict it? And then finally, the magnitude of what he is praying for. What kind of prayer is this? How, How big is this prayer? So starting with his request, well, he makes his request of the Father. So far, so good. I bow my knees before the Father. Just like Jesus taught his disciples to pray our Father in the Lord's Prayer, Paul is praying to the Father in heaven. And he is bowing his knees not before a king or a tyrant or anything like that, but before a compassionate Father. He says, the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And that's the first time you get to go, what? What does it mean that families in heaven are named? It sounds good. And then you start to ask, like, well, what, what does it mean? Well, the Greek words for father and family come from the same root letters in the same way that health and healing have the same meaning Letters at their root, health and healing. In the Greek, it is the same for father and family. So in some way, he is trying to say, just as we are all part of a family, this father is over all families. Really, he's the one that started families in the first place, that if we are in any way, shape, or form a father, we reflect his goodness as a father, someone who compassionately cares for his children. But this father is not just a loving father, it is a well-resourced father that we read about, that Paul prays that the father would answer this request according to the riches of his glory. Now, children often wish that their fathers had unlimited resources to grant their requests. Perhaps some of you have had this experience where you go to an ATM with a child or a grandchild, And they start to get ideas, and you can tell it's coming. They're like, So, how much money can come out of there? Like, it just gives you money? And we have to explain to them it only gives you your money, not just as much money as you want. See, that's not a problem for God. God does not have limited resources, His wealth is infinite. But Paul's not thinking simply of monetary riches. He says God can supply us with weightier riches than that. Things like patience, faithfulness, kindness, and forgiveness. And so knowing that this is the God he's making the request to, he makes the request. And he prays that this wealthy, compassionate father would strengthen his children Here's what he prays, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, okay? So we need to think about what he's not praying for. We need to consider what's happening here. He is writing to Christians, to people who have already been saved, who are already God's children. So by saying, I want the spirit to be in you, he is not saying, I want you unbelieving people to become believing people. Rather, he wants those who are believers, who are his children, to be strengthened with his power as his children. So not to be given faith, but to be given stronger faith. Now, the idea of getting stronger in our faith, we can tend to have one of two negative reactions or wrong reactions. First, we can hear that and respond with apathy, feeling like, yeah, you I got strong enough faith, all right? Like, I'm good. I don't need to get any stronger. It's kind of like how I feel when it comes to working out. I don't like to work out, so I don't. But then I watch those superhero movies. Whew, man. I watch the Avengers and see Captain America and Thor, and one of them takes their shirts off, and you go, man, I wish I looked like that. (laughs) And then you, like, research. Like, well, what did they do? It's like, oh, well, they work out two to three hours a day, every day, and they never eat sugar. And they did that for years. You're like, oh, I like Cheetos way too much and chocolate way too much in order to do that. And so we then get apathetic about being strengthened by God. We feel content that we're strong enough. We are content with how we look spiritually. That getting stronger, like working out, takes effort, it takes sacrifice. And so we may be reluctant to pray for God to strengthen us, knowing that he's not going to just snap his fingers and we're going to be spiritually strong. It will take time. So we respond with apathy. I don't really want to be strengthened. Or we can respond with self-interest. We think if we had more power, things would go our way. And so we start to think not that we would look like a superhero, but that we would have the powers of a superhero, that we would be able to complete everything on our to-do list and answer everything on our prayer list. It would all be answered to our liking. But having that strength that allows us to do whatever we want to do without limitations, that's called being God. And Paul does not pray for us to be God. He does not pray for us to be so strengthened by God that we don't need Him anymore. In fact, the Bible consistently tells us that strong faith shows people who need God more, not less. That the strength of faith is knowing that we need God more, not less. Okay, so he wants us to get stronger in our faith, and we should want it, and it's not just for our own self-interest, but what kind of strength is this? What is Paul praying for his Ephesian believers to receive? Well, when we think of strength, our depiction of strength tends to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was a bodybuilder. The muscles upon muscles upon muscles upon, like muscles you didn't even know existed on other human beings. Or someone like James Harrison who played for the Steelers and whose biceps were as big as my waist. That's what we think of when we think of strength in terms of exerting force and intimidating those who are weaker. But that is not the strength that Paul prays for. Here's what he prays. That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. There's his depiction. He's giving us an analogy to think of, to think of being rooted and grounded. Plants have roots in order to draw life from the soil, they absorb water and nutrients to survive so that they can make it through wintertime or through a drought. The roots are their secure source of life to provide strength for the plants. The word grounded comes from construction imagery, implying a stable foundation, that buildings need a stable foundation to withstand the punishing weather or the subtle shifts in the soil, that you don't want the building to fall down. It needs strength to hold together. And so the kind of strength that Paul is depicting is strength to faithfully endure instead of thinking of strength in terms of weightlifters or football players or superheroes he is thinking about being able to endure difficulty and suffering while staying the course and so perhaps instead of thinking of james harrison we need to think of someone like dr martin luther king jr or nelson mandela or even our own andrew brunson the pastor who was imprisoned in turkey for two years That is the kind of enduring strength Paul prays for. Not superhero strength, but withstanding strength. And he tells us where we can draw this strength from. What is the source of our strength? And he tells us again in another phrase that you could look at and go, I don't know what that means. He writes, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The basic idea there is that the source of our strength is the love of Christ that works in our hearts, and yet the way Paul says it can get us a little confused, he says, I want Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, again, listen exactly how he says this so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. In recent years, we have equated becoming saved with inviting Jesus into our hearts as if we had vacancy. And we're like, hey, there, well, Jesus could go right there. And we invite him in. That's not what Paul's praying. Paul is writing to those people who are already Christians and saying, I want Christ to dwell in your heart through faith. So he is not thinking of being saved, but rather letting our hearts take our roots and our foundation from the love of Jesus Christ. We draw strength from what's true about Jesus. It's like in our New Testament reading from Romans 8, where Paul was reminding them, hey, guys, if you're Christians, that means the Holy Spirit is in you. And if you don't think that's a big deal, well, that's the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what's in you. Do you not know that power? Draw on that trust that God is strengthening you. And so we can take great strength from this love of Christ. And one of the reasons is that it's immeasurable. Paul prays, here we go again, That we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That's a paradox, Paul, to know something that surpasses knowledge. But Paul is not contradicting himself. Rather, he is saying we can know this love, but never know the end of it. Never know the end of it, that there is always more love of Christ. And we will never lack for a source of strength. Another image the Bible uses is of a tree planted beside a stream of water. That that water is never going to run dry. The roots will always be receiving nutrients and water from this flowing stream. And in the same way, if our hearts are rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, it is never going to run dry. That it is a constant source of strength. Okay, And he tells us that we are to do this, to comprehend this with all the saints, together with all the saints. Now, we can know the love of Christ by ourselves. We can read the Bible, come to faith in Jesus, and that's it. But he is saying, I want us to know this as a community as well and to learn this love of Christ from others. There are times when other Christians need to be reminded of the truth where we need other people to remind us of the truth because we're too stressed out to remember it. That maybe we're so caught up in the struggle we're facing that we need someone, a brother and sister in Christ, to come put their arm around us and say, you know Jesus loves you, right? You know this is going to be okay. Yes, we may suffer. Bad things may happen. God's not letting go of you. Sometimes we need other people to remind us of the love of Christ. Other times, we need believers from other places and backgrounds to help us see the cultural idols or assumptions that we may be blind to, that we may insist on certain practices that aren't really necessary because, well, that's the way we've always done it. And then we meet Christians from other places in the world, and we're like, wait, that's not the way you do it? We don't have to do it that way? And we start to see that there is a wideness to the love of Christ, that it expresses itself in slightly different ways across cultures and nations. But it's not just across the world, it's also across time, that we can know the love of Christ by listening to the wisdom of Christians who have come before us in church history and look to them and say, I wonder what struggles they faced and how they dealt with it. Has this problem come up before? That's one of the easiest things about being in the church is, oh, we've got this problem. Guess what? That problem's happened before. The church has been around a long time, and we have a lot of problems. So odds are that problem has happened before. Let us go to the wisdom of the past to know how to handle the future, to learn what battles are worth fighting for and what are going to pass in a moment. And so he wants us to be strengthened. So Paul prays that we would be strengthened with the power of God, not like superheroes, but be strengthened to faithfully endure by letting our hearts constantly draw strength from the love of Christ. Again, that still sounds a lot like words, like just words that fit together, and they sound like something a preacher would preach, but what does that mean? How powerful can this strength really be? Well, he says perhaps the most head-scratching of all his phrases here where Paul writes that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Not just filled with the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. Whatever that is. That's a perplexing prayer. And yet Paul is reminding us that we do not simply get a little bit of God's power. God does not have to divide himself up to cover all of his people. That's not what he does. We don't get .0000001% of God's time and power because he has so many people. Through the Holy Spirit, God is fully with each one of us to strengthen us, that God in his fullness is the source of our strength. We are not simply drawing from a tiny sliver of the Lord God Almighty. And that fullness helps us to understand how Paul can pray a prayer of this magnitude. He is praying a big prayer to a big God and we see that in verses 20 through 21. Here's what Paul writes. Now to him... Who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What a glorious depiction of God that is. Paul is piling up words here to help us understand the magnitude of his prayer. It's not just that God can do more than we ask. Like God, we have bills due and we don't have money and we need $200 to make it through. And someone sends us a check for $205. It's like, well, God can do more than we ask. Good job. That's not all he's saying. He can do more than we ask or think. More than we can imagine. We can imagine a lot. A whole lot. Really. Our imaginations are wonderful things. We can imagine all kinds of things. God can do more than we can think. He can do more than all that we ask or think. All of it. If we were to combine every prayer request we've ever made and every imagination we've ever had, God can do more than that. But Paul doesn't stop there even. God isn't simply able to do more. He is able to do far more abundantly. Could Paul be any clearer about the unfathomable power of God when it comes to answering prayer? He can do far more abundantly than all of our wildest imaginations and requests. And how can he do that? According to his power, his power at work within us. The same power that God works in all the universe is in us through the Holy Spirit. That does not mean that we are trying to figure out how to get this superpower out of us to use for our own purposes. No, the power is at work in us. God puts the power in us to change us first, not to put superpowers in our hands to change the world to our liking. In this way, Paul's echoing what he said in chapter 2, verse 10, where. He wrote that we are God's workmanship or craftsmanship, that God molds us, shapes us, and makes us to do good works. God's life-changing power strengthens us so that he can accomplish his purposes in and then through us. In and then through us. If that's how God is going to work, if that's what Paul is praying for, then we need to pray in light of that. So I want to offer two practical suggestions to pray in light of this uh, perplexing prayer passage. First, our prayers should be characterized by humility. We should humbly pray for strength, knowing that of all the people in the world that God could choose to use, he is saying, yeah, I'll use you. I'm like, seriously? Me? After all the times I've messed up? after all the opportunities someone has given me power and I've, I've not done well with that, after all of my selfish ambition, all my fears and weaknesses, you're gonna use me? How could I deserve that strength? When we are given power, we use it for ourselves, but we need humility to see that God's power is in us for his purposes, not to be wielded by us. So we should pray humbly. Second, we need to pray boldly. We pray boldly because we know the magnitude of God's ability to answer prayer. Even though we may not be worthy of God's power, him in his infinite wisdom has decided he's going to use that immeasurable power in you. Wow. So pray boldly because he can outdo even your biggest and boldest requests. Who knows what kind of changes God's power can bring into our lives, allowing us to endure and be faithful through suffering so that we can glorify him. I am not saying that we are boldly asking for God to give us everything we could ever want so we can live a relaxing and peaceful life. That is not what this prayer is for. It is not God give me the limo to take me to and from work even if it's just 40 steps away. Okay? It is God work in me that you can work through me for your purposes and your glory. God literally has immeasurable and unimaginable power to strengthen us with. Who are we to set limits on ourselves, on one another, on our children, when we don't know what God may be doing in and through us? So pray big prayers to our big God, knowing his love and his power surpasses our possible understanding. Let us pray, amen. Oh God, we pray, we pray big. Lord, do a mighty work in us. Do a mighty work in us, not that we can say, wow, a mighty work was done in us. But do a mighty work in us in us, that you can use us for your purposes. For you got so much under your control and you know how to use us. You know where to put us. You know what to give us. So God, please, in your wisdom, strengthen our faith that whatever struggles or trials or whatever may come our way, that we would be faithful because of your grace in us. Strengthen us, God. Strengthen our kids as they go to school, strengthen each and every one of us in our lives and the pain and the brokenness and the poverty and the relational struggles that we all face in the weakness of our bodies and the weakness of our faith. Strengthen us, oh God, with your great power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.